If you have your Bibles, open up to uh, two places, Hebrews chapter 4 and John chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 4 and John chapter 1. And uh, to carry on a little bit on the same theme that uh, we had for the last couple weeks. And uh, uh, two weeks ago I ministered to you on mixing the word with faith. That it's one thing to hear the word, it's another thing to put it into action. And uh, uh, in fact, it's funny, uh, Cecil Ringenberg took me to lunch today, and, and uh, I didn't eat the fortune cookie. I just opened up because I like to read the little things that are in there. And it's actually pretty good. It says, action is the enemy of worry. Action is the enemy of worry. Yeah, see, see worry is just sitting around doing nothing. But if you're going to worry about something, at least do something. Amen. If you can't do anything about it, at least quit worrying. But, see, worry, that's what we do. We worry about things. One person said, worry is interest paid on something you will never own. (laughs) I never forgot. I heard that. I never forgot that one. That was good. But if you're going to worry, the way to break out of worry and, 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 and to not be overcome by worry is to do something about it. And then if there's nothing you can do, you're not changing anything by worrying about it. Amen? But the best thing you can do is speak and declare the Word of God. In fact, Joanna and I were talking about it in, in the foyer there before service. And a lot of times we think, hey, if I just hear the Word, that's enough. No, you have to hear the Word and do the Word. Hearing a good message on faith or hearing about principles of the Word of God won't change anything until you put them into action in your life. Amen? So hearing the Word, you have to hear the Word, and then you have to mix it with faith. Faith is always action. It is a verb. And so it's not a noun, it's a verb. It's not a name, it's action. And so faith is when you act on the Word and apply the Word of God in your life. And uh, so tonight I want to take that just a little bit further and break down the importance of God's Word in our life. And Sunday we really talked about our confession. And really, if you just stop and think about it, your life is exactly what you're saying. It, It just doesn't change. Whatever I'm saying, if I'm saying I can't, I guess tell you what, you can't. That's why the Bible says, Paul said it like this, I can. He didn't say I can't. He said, I can what? Do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? That he enables me. And, and the Bible is just full of so many areas that speak to us. The fact to be, we wouldn't have enough time in one service to go through and read all the scriptures that are I can scriptures or we can scriptures or you can scriptures. Amen? There's just so many things that the Word of God declares. And what happens is when you take God's Word personal, you make the Word of God personal. This is God speaking to you personal and you put it in the first person. We get a kick out of our, uh, our uh, what is he, Jackson number six. So grandson, grandchild number six. And uh, he, uh, but he talks about himself in the third person. Yeah, he wants waffles. You know, like, what? <laughs> what do you want for bacon? He wants, he wants bacon and waffles. I mean, breakfast. He wants bacon and waffles. And stuff. It, but it, just, but it, it doesn't do any good to talk about the word in third person. You've got to talk about it in first person. Amen? 
And so you find those I can scriptures. You find where God says that. Like Sunday morning when I had you quote John 3.16. Put that, God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son that if I would believe in him, I would not perish, but I would have everlasting life. Amen? And so you make God's word personal in your life, and then you speak it and declare it daily. And uh, a lot of things in life are wanting you to come into agreement with what they're saying, whether it's politicians, whether it is viewpoints, whether it is uh, cultural areas in, in our society. They want you to speak in agreement because words are powerful. But when you take God's word and you begin to speak and declare that over your life daily, it will produce. The word of God is a seed. How remember Mark chapter 4? Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, the sower sows the word. And if you ever learn this, all words are seeds. Every word is a seed. And so once you get that down under your understanding, if it really goes off in you, you'll be praying for crop failure. All right, some of you get that later. I'll just keep moving right along. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was what? Was God. He, now look at that. He was in the beginning with God. He, the Word, was in the beginning with with God. Amen. Now I want you to look down at verse 14. And it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now if you would go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. So how many could agree just through those verses right there that Jesus and the Word are one? I mean, no, the Word became flesh and that's Jesus. Mary received, became pregnant because the angel of the Lord spoke to Mary and said, Hey, the power of the Most High is going to come upon you and you are going to conceive. And Mary said, Be it unto me according to your word. So she believed the word, received the word, and the word was actually implanted into her womb. By faith, that word became a living seed implanted in her womb and produced a life of the Son of God. Now that's powerful. It produced natural life. It works in us. If just the word spoken and Mary agreeing with the word can conceive and give birth to the Son of God, what can you believing and receiving the word on the inside of you do? Years ago, a friend of mine, Pastor Mark Filkey, pastor of the West Coast uh, Church in uh, um, uh, Stockton, he wrote a book, I have it in my office, called I'm Pregnant and I Know Who the Father Is. Amen. says, I'm pregnant with the Word of God. My, I'm pregnant with faith in God. I'm pregnant. I've conceived God's Word in my spirit, and I believe for it to bring forth the life that it contains. Amen. And so it's so important that we get that down on the inside of us. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Father, I thank you in these next few moments that by your Holy Spirit you will speak into our lives. You'll bring truth and you'll bring clarity. And Father, I pray tonight that your word will come alive in a greater measure than ever before. We thank you, Father, for hearing ears, seeing eyes, and receiving hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Say this with me. Tonight, I will hear God's word preached, and faith will come alive in my heart. I will speak and declare with boldness God's truth concerning my life, my purpose, 
and my destiny in Christ. Tonight, faith will come and fear will flee. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Um, it's important. People say, well, do, do little things like that make a difference? Absolutely. Amen. Speaking and declaring the word makes a difference in our lives. It is so important. Look at the cover of your outline. The word of God is a name for Christ, as we just read. We know that John speaking about in the beginning was the word, and the word, became, the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning. We know that's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So the Word is a name for Christ as well as for the Scriptures. It is the Scriptures that are referred to in Hebrews 4.12 that we just read. Yet you can never separate the Lord from the Word. We, we, we can't, and I think that's many times what happens. And, and in people, even in our, in our thinking, we don't intentionally mean to do it. But I think it's sub, something subconscious that happened, which is why I said Sunday morning, do we believe His Word is it? We believe that the Word of God is as real as His presence. And so if Jesus is here in physical presence, is that more real than His Word? No. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. So if you have the Word, if you have the Word, you have Jesus in manifest presence. Are you with me? But we think that somehow that, that bodily form is different. And, and we don't think of the word in right. This is alive. This is a living word. This isn't just a book. This is a living word. Jesus said in John 6, 64, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And so we have to think in the terms of spirit. Are you with me? And so it's so important that we grab that and get that down on the inside of it. You can never separate the Lord from His Word. He is the substance of the written Word. The Word of God is what it is because Christ embodies Himself in it. That's why the Word is so powerful in our life. He is the living Word and the Word lives or is alive because of Him. To receive Christ is to receive the Word. To believe in the Word is to believe in Christ. You cannot love, trust, believe, or partake of one without the other. <coughs> Some people say, well, I love Jesus. I'm just not sure if the Bible is true. You go, well, you're going to have a problem. <laughs> Amen. I believe in God. I just don't know if I believe in the Bible. Well, this is God's chosen revelation of Himself. Amen. And so, I mean, there's a lot of things, but somehow we, we, we separate or make a distinction between the two when the Word of God makes no distinction between the two. God and His Word are one. Can you say amen? Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Back towards the back of your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 1. Beginning in verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. 
So the way that we get saved, the way you're born again, the way you come to life in Christ, you hear the word and you believe and you receive the word in your heart. We said Sunday morning that faith has to be in two places to work in your life. It has to be in your heart and it has to be in your mouth. Okay? The word has to be, and faith comes by the word. Amen? So it's important that I have the word of God in my heart and that I have the word of God in my mouth. Amen? And so the way I'm born again is that we confess with our mouth, we believe with our heart, and we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are saved. So we believe that word is sown in there, we receive it, and it produces His life. The word is the seed that produces the life of God within us. The same way it produced the life of the Son of God in Mary. Look at this. Our personal perception of the word will either cause us to be open to receive everything God declares in his word to us, or we will begin to diminish its life-giving and transforming power through reason and tradition. Think about what Jesus said. He says, you through your tradition... When he spoke to the religious people that day, he said, You through your tradition have made the word of God of no effect. And I started after Sunday morning at the end of second service when the Lord gave me that word about no more soft targets and started talking about the church that we have, we have so much stuff we believe in, but we don't see manifest in our lives. We believe in the Bible. We, read, we amen it. It's preached. Yes, amen. Glory to God. But we just accept it not being a living reality. And somewhere along the line, you have to get upset. Wait a minute. If I'm supposed to be able to have that, I want to have that. And if I've got to make all the religious people mad around me because I'm believing God to receive what he said I could have, then I'll get some non-religious friends. Amen. A lot of times sinners have more faith than church people. They actually believe God's supposed to do what he's supposed to do. Amen? Amen. They just don't want to give up stuff to see him do it in their life. Church people try to talk you out of what God said he would do. Anyway, moving right along. So look inside your outline. So I want to break down. I just got seven points here that I want to break down Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. And... Uh, and I believe that chapter 4 and verse 12 gives us a reason that this book is so feared. Let me ask you this. How come people, how, what, what would be wrong with having the Bible in our schools? What would be wrong? What's so dangerous about the Bible? People say, well, you know, you try to talk to somebody about the Word of Well, that's not the Word of God. That's just a book written by men. Well, what are you afraid of then? Well, it's got all kinds of errors and contradictions. And well, if it's all messed up, what are you afraid of? has no power. It must be power. It must be something else. But it is the only book that is alive and is transforming. And history shows not only has it transformed individuals, it has literally transformed nations. And so, and, and, and the issue, you, you, you could just never forget this, the issue with the Word of God is one thing and will always be one thing, authority. That's just it. The problem people have with God's word is that it is a word of authority. And it is a word of supreme authority. It, it, it isn't a authority. It isn't a way. It isn't an option. It is the way. Amen? It is the authority. And man in the garden became his own authority. And the trouble man has is surrendering or coming back under the authority of God. Man refuses to give up or fights to hold on to his own authority. 
And so let me just walk through this. So the qualities of the Word of God, we read it. The Word of God is quick, it is powerful, and sharp, than any two-edged sword, the dividing the Son of soul and spirit, joint the mirror, and is discerner of the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. Amen? And so point number one, it is divine. I must believe that the Word of God is divine. Amen. This is God's Word. You have to settle that in your life. Amen. And when you come back to it, and even as we begin to talking about faith, there are areas after all these years, be 40 years this December that I've been a Christian and reading the Word and studying the Word, that I still have questions about God's Word. I'm still discovering things about the Word of God. But what I've discovered, I believe with all my heart, whether I ever get all my questions answered or whether I find out everything else, I still believe this is 100% the Word of God. I've seen it come through too many times in my life. I've seen the Word work. And I've experienced God confirming His Word with signs and wonders. Amen? I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other people's life and ministry. I've seen it time and time again at this altar over the years in this church and through ministry. God is faithful to His Word. Amen? And so it is divine. It is the Word of God. I must be convinced of this truth in my heart. You're not going to believe it just because I tell you it is. Yet there are things, these are things you have to settle for yourself. This is God's word. And then you have to settle, this is God's word to me. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm glad pastor thinks God wrote it to him, but it's my word. Amen. It's God's word to me. It's divine based purely upon its origin. It comes from God. Would you agree? Secondly, it is living. It is a living word. The word of God is quick. The word quick there means alive. Romans 8, Paul says, If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken also your mortal bodies. The word quicken there means to make alive. The promise is that the Holy Spirit comes and brings life to us. He's a quickening spirit. He's a life-giving spirit. And when I'm receiving the word of God, I'm receiving the life that it contains. And so when I begin to understand that, all of a sudden, wait a minute, I'm not just reading my Bible. People say, it's so hard to read my Bible. Wait a minute, you're reading life. You're hearing life. You're receiving life. This is a living word. And so when I get that down on the inside of me, it begins to change and to transform me. Think about it. In contrast to our words, which many times have no life and pass away, they are not kept and they are not kept and they are unsecured, but God's word lives on. I think it's Psalms 119, verse 84. If you want to turn there, we'll look it up real quick. I'll find it. Psalms 119. Verse 89 and 90. Psalms 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. That's it. God's word is forever settled, established. It will not pass away. How many know Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my what? Word will never pass away. Amen. Your faithfulness, verse 90, endures to all generations. Are you a generation? then God's faithfulness endures to you. Amen? How about you? I'll read this stuff. I get excited. Praise the Lord. You establish the earth and it abides. Amen. Regardless of what Al Gore says, amen, the earth will survive. Regardless of what all the greenhouse people and all the, all the environmentalists say, we have enough. I like what Brother Hood said. 
My pastor said this, God made the earth with enough. There's enough oil, there's enough gas, there's enough water, there's enough food, there's enough trees, there's enough carbon dioxide, there's enough whatever we need. There's enough ozone, there's enough until it's done. God made enough for the earth to have enough until we're done. Amen? And then what's all over, the word, in the Word of God says that He'll make a new heaven and a new earth. But then everything will be eternal. It won't matter. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So think about it. It has life in itself. It is the living and incorruptible seed, as we read, that you were born again by. It creates life wherever it is received. I hope you can get that. The Word of God creates life wherever it is received. And if I'm receiving it in me, if I'm hearing the Word as a life-giving seed, then as sure as you can plant seed in the ground and grow vegetables or grow crops or grow anything, the Word of God is as real of a life-giving seed as any other seed. In fact, every seed came into existence by the Word. Hallelujah. And then I always like to do this. I, I love the threes of the Bible, studying on threes. But if you go to the third day, on the third day, the earth was brought forth. And the earth or the dirt or the soil, the ground showed up and God made the earth come up. And he says the earth is ordained to receive seed and bring forth harvest. Isn't that amazing? Earth is designed, the ground is designed to receive seed and cause the life in the seed to produce the harvest that it contains. And then when you get to day six and God makes man, well, what should I make man out of? Well, I know since my word is seed, I will make him out of the stuff that I ordained to receive seed and bring forth harvest. So God made you out of the dust of the earth. You and I are, are made out of dirt. He formed us out of dirt. And then he ordained that he could sow his seed into our hearts. And it would produce. So you are made out of third day soil and third day perfection to receive and bring forth harvest. And when that goes off on the inside of us, wait a minute. Every time I hear this word, life is being sown into me. And I can expect by faith to receive the harvest that the word contains. I can expect to be healed. I can expect to have a good marriage. I can expect to see salvation. I can expect to walk in provision. And I can expect to have good relationship. I can expect everything that the seed contains because I'm good ground. God formed me to bring forth harvest. Amen? So it creates wherever it is received and it can never be destroyed or exterminated. Amen. In two weeks, I'm preaching another message on this about how the enemy works against you. The devil comes against you for one reason. You know what that is? For the word's sake. He comes against you to cancel God's word from producing. He knows that if you believe the word and you receive the word, he can't do it. So if he can't steal it before you receive it, if he can't snatch it around, if he can't get you to have an old hard heart that just lets the word lay on the ground and he steals it immediately, then he'll come to try to get you to abort it. Amen. He's always working against the word in your life. 
Amen. Or he'll try to get you to cancel it with the words of your own mouth. Number three, Paul said it is an effectual, quick, alive, and powerful. It carries both conviction and conversion. It works to bring comfort and confirmation. It has the power to transform us to great heights of holiness and happiness. Isn't it amazing? You know, the Bible things are, says that all things are lawful. Amen. But not everything's profitable. You know, you, you can do whatever you want. You find out, yeah, you, you just, on some things you just lose the want to. Amen. I believe true holiness is when you just live with God and, and, and you just lose all the want to because you found something better. You wake up one day and you go, wait a minute, all that stuff is a counterfeit and it's less than the best. Well, I don't want something less than the best. The best is available, just take the best. Amen? Hallelujah. I'll never forget years ago, and, uh, you know, we, we, we had a Christian school here for 13 years, <clears throat> and we only let godly kids come to our school. So we thought, amen. And, uh, but anyway, down through the years, we had a bunch of stuff going on, and, and over the years, I, I had amassed a little stash collection of little confiscated items in my drawer. And so we had a, a situation going on time at the school. And we had to actually had to call the sheriff, come in and go through some stuff. And, and, and so we did that whole thing. And I said, well, wait a minute, officer, while you're here, I might as well give you all this stuff too. So I had two little baggies of pot in there and a little pipe and everything else. And he's looking at me, here's the pastor giving him dope and stuff and a pipe and everything else. And I'm saying, man, before I got saved, I, I smoked every day, man. I got high all down. And I've had this stuff sitting in my drawer for years. Amen. And I said, but, you know, the want to's gone. How many know what I'm saying? The want to's gone. Amen. And so the desire, because I found out, wait a minute, that's a high that wears off. That, that, that's a high that costs and keeps on costing. Yeah, I, I have to pay and keep on paying, and it wears off. Amen. I found out I can get high and never have to come down. Amen. People say, where do you get your energy? I'm on Holy Ghost speed. I'm a Holy Ghost crank addict. Amen. Hallelujah. He'll keep you wired up as wired as you want to be. Amen. Amen. I, I was a heroin addict. I like being mellow. So I found out the Lord to help me chill all I want. Amen. You don't need a counterfeit when you have the real thing. Are you with me? And see, the reason I became an IV drug user, because I like to get high right away. I didn't like waiting. People want to get drunk. I said, why do you get drunk? Why do you want to drink all that stuff? No, it takes, you got to drink a lot, and then you got to pee all the time. Amen. I don't do the stuff that just gets you high, and you don't have to go to the bathroom all the time. Amen. I was very practical in my stupidity. <laughs> Hallelujah. And doing all that, you know, I'd, I'd think this stuff through. I'm, anyway. <laughs> But doing like, I mean, wait a minute, God, you are so good. And then I found out, you know what, I can be high in an instant. Hallelujah. Father, I just love you. I magnify you. I glorify you. And all of a sudden, I start feeling better. All of a sudden, there's a surge in my spirit. And on the inside of me, the Holy Ghost, he's a quick and he, look at that. He's a quick and alive and powerful. Hallelujah. But then, number four, the word is cutting. See, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And this is the part we don't like about the Word. It's the part our world doesn't like, our government and society doesn't like, because it cuts all over from every direction. Amen. The moment you think you got yourself covered in one area, the Word will cut you someplace else. 
It just explodes. There's no way to do it. Idiot, the Word of God is all edge. I bet it's just sharp everywhere. It's everywhere. And that's why a lot of times we, we don't like to read it. We don't like to take that way because God always deals with you first. You ever notice that? He's always trying to help you. Amen. And I think about that. You know, I told you about Thursday night. I was at the meeting, Brother Jesse, and I'm sitting there, and I'm there to support. And I, and I think I'm just there being supportive and stuff. But God is always concerned about us more than what we realize. And he's wanting to help me because he knows what he desires to do through me. He's just trying to get you and I into agreement with what he wants to do through our life. And he knows the things that are hindering us. Amen. And so I'm sitting there, and Brother Jesse's giving this altar call, and he's talking about this area, and, and I'm under conviction because the word is cutting. But I'm acting like I'm not bleeding. Now, I'm sure somebody else, is about to, their head's about to fall off the way he's talking right now. My God, they need to get up and run to the altar. Amen. They just keep going on and on and on. And it turns out that, you know, that, that one aspect was just for me. But God wanted to do something in me for my own benefit and for my own good. Amen. But sometimes that, that's painful to our own flesh and to our own pride. How many know when you cut your flesh, you feel that in your flesh? And our flesh in that area can be conformed to the word of God. It's painful for our flesh and we don't like that. And then we go through that healing process. But how many know when God cuts you, you heal quickly? Amen. See, it's all sharpness in itself. Therefore, it is never found dull. The Word of God is never dull. Hallelujah. I don't know how many different knife sharpeners. Every time I go to the home shows or doing different things, I kind of gravitate towards knife sharpeners. I hate dull knives. Amen. I, I think it's against the law to use a dull knife on a tomato. I mean, sit there next thing you know, halfway through, you have ketchup, and all you wanted was a slice for your hamburger. Amen. Should be against the law. Amen. But you get there, and so you have to resharpen it, resharpen But the Word of God is always sharp, continually sharp. You don't have to resharp it. It's just always sharp. Can you say amen? But think about it. And what does it do? It can penetrate even the hardest of hearts, but it also wounds like a surgeon all who touch it. Amen. It, it, it has helping power. It doesn't just wound us. It cuts like a surgeon. What does it do? It cuts away sin, self-righteousness, unbelief, and all other things that are hazardous to our spiritual health and life in Christ. Anything that's hazardous to yourself. How many of you as parents want to remove danger from your children? You want to protect them, keep them safe. You want to eradicate things out of their way. That's what the Word of God does to us. Removes the things out of our way to keep us safe so that we don't injure ourselves. Think about that. Anything that is hazardous to our spiritual health and life in Christ. And then number five, it is piercing. Even to the dividing of sunder. The separating, dividing the sunder. There is no armor that is strong enough to withstand the Word. There is no defense except self-denial and deception. The only way people can defend themselves from the Word of God is to deny it, come up with all the reasons, all the excuses, like I said. Well, it's a book of error. It's written by man. How do we know the translators were right? How do we know they got it? It's been translated so many times. How do we know they got it right? Blah, 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 blah. All, all the different things they come up with. Amen. Well, I know this. Why are you afraid of it? 
I bet. I always remember what Donnie Moore said. He'd get all the, the people said, oh, they're so, well, Christians are wimps. He'd go, all right, oh, yeah, Christians are wimps. Here, do, do the, take this Bible and carry it to school like this tomorrow. No, I can't do that. People make fun of me. Well, I thought you said you were bad. You were tough. Okay. And so when a Christian does stand up and endures, per, when persecution arises for the word's sake, how many know it takes more than a wimp to stand up? Amen. So when Christians are standing up for the word, God is moving. Think about that. Amen. And so the only way to do that is to defend yourself against is through self-denial or self-deception. See, it forces its way even into the hardest of hearts. It's able to get down to the very area. And then it is discriminating. This is a key point right here. It says to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Everybody look up here. You are a soul and a spirit. Your soul and your spirit are two different aspects of your character. You are a spirit and you are a soul and you live in a body. Amen. And your soul is eternally alive, but your soul was dead in trespass and sin. And then God renewed spirit to soul and made you alive unto God. Amen. Being born again is your spirit. Your soul is now alive back in union with God. And so, But soul operates differently than spirit. Soul operates in your mind, your will, and your emotion. So the Word of God, there's a lot of things we do that are soulish that sound really spiritual. But they're pseudo-spiritual and not actually spiritual. Amen? Let me ask you this. What type of music is the most spiritual? Whatever music makes you worship God. Amen. You can worship to rap. I, 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 I've never have been able to because I, I can never understand what they're saying. I get a word every now and then. But, in, but it doesn't matter what it is. If, if, if you need a pipe organ, if you need a choir, whatever it is. But people will divide over music. Amen. Because we think one type of music is more spiritual than the other because we have an emotional connection. We have a soulless connection to one type of music or another. In fact, I read an article by Billy Graham today, and it was this. Somebody wrote into a newspaper and asked him a question. He was troubled because they got a new music director at their church. This is an old article back in, the, I think, in the 80s or someplace, but it's quite a few years ago. And, uh, but his writing said, you know what? We got a new worship director introducing new songs, and I like hymns, and I just want the hymns sung. And Billy just had a great answer. He says, you know, when most of the hymns were written, they were new for their day. They were new music in their day. And I, I'm sure there were people in their day, I don't like that new song. Who's that Fanny Crosby? How come we're singing all Fanny Crosby songs, Fanny Crosby songs? There's other people who wrote songs. How come we're no longer seeing Charles Wesley songs? Amen. Charles Wesley wrote 9,000 hymns. 9,000 hymns. That's a lot of songs. Amen. We can sing one every day. Amen. And take his years to get through them. Amen. Maybe we'll start doing that. We'll just keep singing Wesley hymns till the rapture comes. Hallelujah. 
<laughs> but people go, well, one type of that. But see, we will argue thinking we're being spiritual over one type of music or the other. Amen. One type of seating or the other. Amen. I remember we were building this building. My pastor said, well, what are you doing for chairs in your building? I said, I don't know, Pastor. It's costing a lot to do the building. I said, we need to, we're, we're, I'm, I'm believing God for walls right now. He said, well, you need pews. I said, I agree, but pews cost money. He said, well, how much do they cost? I said, well, I got a bid from the contractor when we were building the sanctuary. So I got a bid from the contractor and, uh, or from the company, and they said it cost $13,000 to put pews in here. This was in 1994. I said, wow, 13000 I said, man, that's a lot of money. I said, I'm believing together to bolt some chairs to the floor right now. Amen. I don't know how, but we're going to gang them together, bolt them together, because the fire department says they have to be fixed seating. So I'm figuring out how to fix folding chairs to the floor. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because right now i got faith for a while. He goes, you need pews. I said, I agree. He goes, well, we, he, he says, he says, yeah. he says, I'll give you, if you, he said, he says, if you'll come preach for me on a Sunday night, I'll give you $10,000. I said, I agree with your faith. <laughs> Amen. And so I did. I went to preach for him on a Sunday night. They gave us $10,000 and we had pews in here until we bought these chairs. Amen. Well, then we have people get upset because we have pews for so long and they've been coming here for a long time that they had already worn a spot in one spot where they'd been sitting for so long. That was their sanctified holy place. Amen. And there are people right now, I watch people coming right in right now. They think they can only spiritually sit in one place because God only shows up in that portion of the building. I said, well, you ought to roam around. He is an omnipresent God. Hallelujah. He is all present, all powerful, all everywhere. Amen. Hallelujah. But, we, but see, see, that's all solely stuff, but we actually make it spiritual. So the word of God to dividing asunder and dividing that out. And so then we wonder what hinders us. And so then when that comes in, when you start getting soulish, then what comes in there is not the dividing asunder of our soul and our spirit, but division and strife amongst people. And the devil is the author of strife and contention and division. And if we allow ourselves to be divided over soulish things instead of standing for spiritual things, then the devil wins and we don't. Amen? And so it separates things, look at this, it separates things that can look alike and act alike, yet one is counterfeit, meaning natural and spiritual religion is a good comparison. It divides the outer from the inner, internal, external, and internal religion, or joints and marrow. It does this by its own inherent power. The word by itself needs nothing added to it. It's penetrating and discerning work in our life it doesn't need any help the word can do that all by itself amen and then it is revealing it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart and this is another reason people don't like the word we like nice messages but we don't like real word messages in our church in fact i was thinking about this the other day tim and i talked about it today in in our meeting and that but i was thinking about it. i wonder how long the sermon on the mount was When Jesus fed the 5,000, he said to the disciples, hey, well, in one place, the disciples said, hey, Master, we need to send them away. They've been with us a long time, and they haven't had anything to eat. They've been there so long, they ran out of food. He preached so long. At one time, they hadn't eaten for three days. 
Amen. I think most people think today the Sermon on the Mount was an eight-part, 20-minute series. <laughs> that Jesus preached eight 20-minute messages every Sunday for eight weeks. Amen. They went back to that same mountain every week for 20 minutes on Sundays, and he preached messages. No. He preached till he was done. Amen. And then said everything that was contained. So we don't think about that. But then here's what else happens. That we get down there and we want to break up the word of God. And we're not rightly discerning the word of God. And we don't want to give adequate time to the word or give the word adequate place in our life. And then we're not seeing the harvest that we desire to see. Amen. So, and so that's when it comes. It becomes the discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Again, it goes back to revealing me to me and dealing with me. See, it, it divides or it cleaves. The man, like the butcher, cleaves a carcass or the animal. How many have a meat cleaver in your house? I have one. Amen. Best thing in the world, cutting chicken in half. Just kind of wacko. Amen. Cool. Cut them right in half. Hallelujah. But it exposes the secret faculties and tendencies of the soul of man. It lays bare the thoughts, intents, and inner workings of a man. And that's what conviction really is. It criticizes them by putting a right perspective and estimate upon them. Think about it. It removes the inflated value that the world projects. God's Word gives everything its proper value in our lives. Amen? Puts it in its proper place. It reveals their plans and dubious, suspicious character. It approves what is good while exposing and condemning what is evil. Now think about this. See, we've all been under the conviction of the word. How many could agree? Been I've been under the conviction of the word. I, I mean, it happens all the time. As it's preached with power and through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If we were honest, we could all reveal the scars from surgery that the word has performed upon our lives. I've always laughed. And I don't know what it is. But for some reason, anytime somebody has an operation, as soon as they're done, they want to show you their scar. You want to see? No, I don't want to see. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? All right, nobody. nobody. See, now you're all lying in church. Amen. I did this. I have a scar here. I want to see my leg. Get up here. Doing all that. Cool. But we all have had surgery by the word. Amen. If we could reveal those scars. Some of us may feel as though we are on the surgeon's table right now. Some of us can say, you know what, right now I'm in recovery. And some of us are being discharged until the next time the word goes to work on our lives and in our lives. So let's do our takeaway. These are lessons that we can learn from this. First of all, to have great reverence and respect for the word of God as being truly spoken to us by God. Respect God's word as what it is. It's His Word. It's been spoken to you by God. Next, look for the Word. Look to the Word for the quickening of our souls. As I said, Romans 8, making a life quickening. For the life-giving quickening for our lives. Get your life from the Word. Amen? Next, we must draw on its power when fighting the battles of truth. So when things come up and doing everything, you know, the Word of God always, that's a question I always ask people. What's going to be the, if we're going to have this conversation about what's true, what's right, what, what are the areas? And see, right now, our society, we, we are caught in the conundrum of situational ethics. 
our nation is living in a conundrum of situational ethics. Every time a situation rises up, we try to figure out how to come up with an answer for that situation because we've abandoned the standards that our nation was built on. We've moved off of the truth of God's word. We've moved off of truth, and now we keep trying to come up with answers for the next situation that arises, and it just isn't going to happen. And so you have to have truth when you're battling, fighting the battles against truth. We must allow its cutting force to work in our own lives to kill and eradicate the evils that come against us daily. They need to allow God's word to work in you. When you're reading your devotions, you're reading those things, don't think, man, I know somebody who needs to hear that. It's probably for you. Amen. Over the years, a lot of our young preachers coming up, and they got, they got a fiery message that they're doing. I said, you always need to ask yourself this. Is that for people or is that for you? Because there's a call of God on your life. God's going to be working in you to get you in shape. He's fashioning you into the vessel that he needs you to be. So every word that you get isn't a word. And, and for a pastor and for a leader, every word I get isn't for me to preach to you. Sometimes God is preaching to me. And sometimes I need to give myself my own altar call. Let me know what I'm saying. Amen. So we're dealing with that. So um, we are to use it in the warfare for men's souls, for only the word has the force to pierce through the hardness of a man's heart and soul. The word of God is the only weapon that we have, guy. When we wield it with love and grace through the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, it can arouse and convict even the hardest of hearts of their sin and lead them to repentance. Next, we should allow the word to be the only source of our discrimination between truth and lie, right and wrong, good and evil, never opinions or traditions. We cannot discriminate based upon opinions or tradition, only the word. Amen? Hallelujah. But if the word says it, I can be discriminatory. Amen. So, and then most of all, we must allow the word to criticize us personally in our own opinions, projects, acts, and deeds. So that we always remain open and exposed to its healing and preserving power, allowing it to do its perfect work in our life to keep a firm grip on the sword of the Lord in your life. Nothing else is more powerful and alive than the word of God. If you ever get that again, as I said in the beginning, God formed you out of the dust of the earth to receive his word and for it to produce in your life. I, I, I always get convicted of this, that I am not allowing the harvest to come through my life that God wants to come through. That God always wants to produce more than what I'm allowing to happen. But in order for that to happen, that means i got to plow up some fresh ground. Amen. I believe all of us got a back 40 that needs to be cleared. Amen. we we, we got more ground that could be cleared off and, and get the, the shrubs out of there, the weeds out of there. we got more soil that we could prepare. We could enlarge our hearts. The soil of our heart to receive more word for God to produce a greater harvest. Would you agree? So nothing else is more powerful than that. Nothing else will protect, preserve, promote, and prevail in your life like the word of God. As sure as the word became flesh and dwelt among us, God's word will transform your life into one, overcoming victory, one of overcoming victory and authority as well. You can trust the word of God just as true as you can trust the Son of God, the living Word. Amen. You can trust Him. 
Come on. When I'm holding the word, I'm holding Jesus. Amen. His word is as real as him. When I have his word, I have him. That's why the centurion said, Lord, you don't need to come to my house. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. You and your word are one. If you say it, it is actually as good as if you were there doing it. It will be done by your word. Jesus says, now that's faith. Amen. So take God at his word. Believe his word. Get it in your heart. Replace all that other stuff. In fact, Lisa, uh, uh, um, Cecil Day would tell me about uh, how him and his wife, they always did cleanses in that. And periodically they go through a cleanse and do different cleanses and get all the diff different ones they did to get the metals out of your body. Amen. So, but sometimes you need to go through a cleanse and turn a bunch of stuff off to get the negative out of your life. Because if you, if you have fear, doubt, and unbelief, those are the harvest and a byproduct of words that have been sown into your spirit. So you need, you, need to, you need to do a cleanse and quit listening to that garbage. Quit ingesting that in you. Because Jesus said it, it's not what you eat. It's what comes out of you. And what comes out of your heart. Not, not, not what goes into your body and passes through you and digested through you. That, that doesn't defile you. But it's the things you hear that get in your ears and then get in your heart. And the devil knows that all word is seed. So he's sowing his word all the time. He, he, and, and it's always contrary to the truth. Father, I thank you this evening for your word. Lord, I thank you for your people. And Father, I thank you. It is your desire. You have set your desire upon us as your people. And Lord, it is your desire for every person in this building tonight, every person that's going to hear this message, that they would understand that you have created them such a way that they can hear and receive your word, your living word, as the seed of life, your life, sown into the soil of their hearts, and your word will produce your life in them, that they don't have to live by their own strength, by their own abilities. They can live as Paul said when he said, I'm crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Father, that's your will, that each and every one of us would live our lives by faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, and your life living and growing and transforming us daily, renewing us into your image. Thank you, Father, for the life of your word. We bless you, we honor you, and we receive it tonight in Jesus' name. Somebody said, Amen. Amen.